Hoppercast, hosted by myself, Kieran, and my good friend, Paul. Hi everyone, thanks for coming back again, and if you're new here, welcome along. So on this week's podcast, uh, it's been a wee while since the last time we uh, actually recorded a podcast, uh, and uh, in that time a lot has happened to the country, not just Scotland, but the United Kingdom as a whole, and it looks like Celtic and Linfield could be bigger damage to the company staying together than Theresa May and her deal with the DUP. On this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about Scotland versus England, the aftermath to that bittersweet game at Hamden uh, at the beginning of June. We're going to be talking about European draws uh, with the likes of, like I mentioned there, Celtic and possibly playing Linfield and Rangers against a Luxembourg Minnows. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, along with that, we've got some transfer news, stuff that we want to talk about. Uh, the likes of Johnny Hayes joining Celtic from Aberdeen and the new arrivals 15 minutes ago of Carlos Peña and Herrera to Rangers. We also want to talk about the Sports Direct deal at Rangers. Uh, big development yesterday on Wednesday the 21st of June uh, that Rangers and Mike Ashley have come to an agreement on a new Sports Direct deal that should ease the club's financial worries. If at all they have any, it's all speculation, of course. Uh, we also want to talk about Scott Sinclair. Scott Sinclair said that Celtic could possibly go undefeated again for another season. And finally, the SPFL fixtures are out on Friday. We'll get to find out who Celtic will be playing on Flag Day and who a newly invigorated Rangers side will be playing as well. Along with that, there'll be interesting fixtures for the likes of Hibs and Hearts who want to mount a challenge for that top four. So, Paul, first of all, I want to talk about Scotland England. Obviously, we watched the game together. It's been, what, two weeks now? Uh, in fact, not even that. It's about 12 days since since that encounter. Give me your thoughts. I, I, I still can't keep thinking how uh, Scotland are so disappointed over a draw. <laughs> I think... Before the game went in, I, I think on our podcast as well, I'd predicted 1-1. I'd have been quite happy with a draw. Obviously, it was a must-win game. Um, it, it was just the way it all panned out that Scotland are unhappy with the draw. Um, so I, I'm just laughing because Scotland are actually upset about drawing with England. Um, two fantastic goals by Lee Griffiths. Two disappointing goals from England. Um, obviously that's what uh, that's what sums the Scotland's campaign up for this World Cup qualifier uh, tournament um, late goals early goals, poor defending poor striking um, poor midfield yeah, that kind of sums up the campaign I think um, I think that uh, I, think I agree with you on most of that um, I remember watching it and uh, when Lee Griffiths scored that first, you just thought, do you know what, we might actually pull it off. And then he scored the second, you're like, can we just hold on? And um, a, a stupid mistake from uh, Stuart Armstrong uh, obviously led to, to the second goal. And You know, people keep blaming Stuart Armstrong, right? but see, after watching it again, to be fair to Stuart, he made a small mistake at round about the halfway line. It, that wasn't the fault of the goal, in my opinion. 
obviously he wanted to run through. If he passed it, yes, England wouldn't have got the goal, which led up to the, uh, the ball, which led up to the goal. Although people keep blaming Stuart Armstrong, but I'm, I'm pointing my elbows at uh, Charlie McGrew and Craig Gordon. What a lack of communication. Charlie McGrew not tracking back with Harry Kane, right? Let's, that's mistake number one. Why would you not track back a striker when the ball's coming in like that? Especially uh, Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Consecutive um, Premier League seasons where he scored more than 20 goals, um, mostly unheard of. Then the ball was high enough as well. Why is Craig Gordon not coming off his line? Um, and I suppose just thinking about it again, point number three, all Craig Gordon had to do was lift his hand about two centimetres and he had deflected the ball. Um, Craig Gordon looked like a, a deer in the headlights. Yeah, I can't, I can't really disagree with that. Um, Craig Gordon saved his worst game of the season for what many would say was one of the most important. Uh, I just, I, I think the reason that people are disappointed and myself included is the fact that we were winning two one. Uh, I think I said in the podcast that Scotland would win. I can't remember what I said the the score line would be. I think it might have been two one or something along those lines. They won now. I think the highlight of the game uh, for me is the fact that Lee Griffiths will now get the international recognition that he deserves. Uh, I remember uh, after the game, they were, in fact it wasn't after the game, it's when the, the Everton and Dembele rumours started um, floating around, we'll get on to them later on, but I remember reading a Facebook comment and it was something it was something along the lines of, why spend 39 on Dembele because he's French, why not spend six or seven million on Griffiths who's Scottish and you might still get the same uh, ability and quality and I couldn't really disagree because Griffiths on his day is a fantastic player uh, the two free kicks I've seen him miss as many uh, at Celtic Park uh, from the same distance so uh, it was just uh, Lady Luck was shining on him that day but yeah, I was shouting at the TV, get Griffiths away for the ball. Yeah. I'll hold my hands up and say I didn't want Griffiths taking either free kick, even after he scored the first one. When the second one came down, I was at right, Griffiths, uh, get yourself back in the box. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was just unlucky, and I think the other thing that came out of that game uh, is that I thought that Kieran Tierney was sensational. Uh, obviously, he made that fantastic clearance off the line from yet another Craig Gordon Howler. He's done that a few times for Celtic. I've said to I said to uh, people who sit around me at Celtic games that Craig Gordon's distribution, although he has improved, is still wanting uh, in some departments. And he passed the ball right out to, I think it was Harry Kane again. And if Kieran Tierney wasn't there, Scotland would have been 1-0 down a lot earlier. But Yeah, it was the header. Yeah. The header really set his game up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing with, with Kieran Tierney is he's proved that he's so versatile and he just wants to play football. Um, I mean, there was even Rangers fans saying that we've got a future captain there. It just shows you the kind of admiration that a lot of people have got for Kieran Tierney. Uh, the Kieran Tierney, for me, is the best player, the best Scottish player around at the minute. And people will obviously argue that there's certain players that are going to be in the Premier League uh, likes of Matt Ritchie, who plays for Newcastle, didn't even feature in the game. Uh, Robert Snodgrass, obviously, who's at West Ham. Rumours that he wants to leave West Ham. Um, 
there's a kit Gianna there that I mean, not like we've got loads of superstars, but I think Kieran Tierney can be a superstar. Uh, I don't know what you think on that. Yeah, and what's making Kieran Tierney stand out so much is his age. It's, it's his age that's doing it. If he was um, 29 or 30, you'd say he's peaked and that's him. Uh, that's just what you're getting, but I don't know his exact age. I think he's the same age as us, isn't he, Kim? I think he's, a, I think he's about 1920, yeah. Yeah, so he's still got... They say defenders usually peak in their ability when they're between 23 and um, 27. So he's still got at least three or four years left of development left before he's peaked. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact people are saying 15 million now, what is it going to be in three or four years if he's playing in the Premier League? Go think about inflation as well, the way that football and prices are going. Um, <laughs> maybe 15 million now, maybe 15 million next year, do you know what I mean? Uh, and that's at the same valuation for some clubs but you're spot on with the age thing that's why Kieran Tierney sticks out um, I think you're saying that defenders peak at a certain age and I don't, I don't think you're wrong I mean you look at uh, the Italians I mean I'm not going to compare Kieran Tierney to the likes of Chiellini for the main reason being that they don't play in the same position but if you look at the Italians their, their core defensive unit has like an average age of at least 30 or something. Uh, obviously, Buffon bumps that up a little bit. But I think Chiellini, Barzagli and Benucci are a little bit older. Uh, you look at Real Madrid, I mean, Sergio Ramos must be in his late 20s now. Uh, Barcelona, you've always got Mascherano, who's, who wasn't even a defender, he was a midfielder. So the more that Kieran Tierney plays for Celtic, and you've got to remember, a lot of people said that Kieran Tierney was a, a one-season wonder. He just came in under Ronnie Dyla and he played the way he played but he maybe wouldn't go anywhere. I think Kieran Tierney is a, a testament to the youth that we can bring through. Play for the jersey, don't play for the money and I think that's the reason that Kieran Tierney is going to be at Celtic for a good few years to come. If every Scottish football team could produce not a player of the quality of Kieran Tierney but a player, players of the, uh, the ambition, the belief and the passion of Kieran Tierney Scotland would be a lot better for it, I mean Rangers I, I remember uh, when the likes of do you remember John Fleck uh, who, who was yeah. a, I think he's, he was actually in Sheffield United I think he was in the League 1 champ, uh, the League 1 team of the season uh, obviously when he was at Murray Park as it, as it was called back then it's not called Money Park anymore. I can't. I can't quite remember what it, what it's called now. Uh, but the Rangers training ground. People were talking about how John Fleck was going to be the next best thing, uh, the next big thing. But he didn't want to play for Rangers. There was there was a problem. He didn't. A lot of Scottish players and a lot of English players uh, get turned by the money of going to a bigger club, uh, and it doesn't benefit them. That's why uh, Keenan Tierney's got got to stay put. This is another reason why I'd like Patrick Roberts to say it's Celtic because I don't think if he leaves Man City, he's going to get another club like Celtic. Uh, there's, there's talk of him going to Nice and uh, Huddersfield was another one. Uh, if he went to Nice, I'd understand it from the point that he wants to try football in a different environment uh, to put that kind of string in his bow. But if you go to likes of Huddersfield, who have just obviously been promoted, I'd be quite disappointed with that. Uh, but the, the fact is, Kieran Tierney, I mean, we're going to talk about Patrick Roberts later on because we've got our little transfer segment where we're going to talk about stuff. 
that Kieran Tierney is a testament to what Scottish footballers should aspire to be, and I think that you won't find many that will disagree with me on that. I think the problem with Scotland, rather than, um, yeah, just the problem with Scotland is you grow up either supporting a certain side of Glasgow, you don't grow up supporting your Cumbernauld Colts, for example, or your Clydes, or your uh, Air United. It's a, a very rare uh, occurrence for someone who actually supports someone that isn't Celtic Rangers or Aberdeen. Um, Hibs of Hearts yeah. as well. Yeah, I suppose Hibs of Hearts, yeah. Um, but apart from that, you've not really got anyone. Um, and besides Celtic or Rangers, um, you, you can't really hold on to youngsters who are going to make it. If, if Kieran and Tierney grew up supporting Hibs, for example, and he's playing for Hibs regularly, he's not going to stay there for the duration of his um, career. Whereas with Celtic, there is a possibility he would stay there for the duration of his career. And, and that's the problem. Uh, you either support Celtic or Rangers, so you don't have any aspirations to play anywhere else. I think that's an interesting point. I mean, the, um, talking to somebody who supported a certain team and played for them and left them, uh, a recent example of that is Jason Cummins. Uh, Jason Cummins, as far as I'm aware, was a Hearts fan growing up. There's actually a rumour, much like Scott Brown, supposedly, uh, but on this in this on this occasion, uh, Jason Cummins got a Hearts tattoo rather than a Rangers tattoo with Scott Brown. Um, Jason Cummins was a Hearts fan growing up, supposedly, and he loved a goal against Hearts. Um, and I thought he may have stayed at Hibs for another year uh, and tried out the Premier League, um, because since his kind of emergence after Lee Griffiths left he's been mainly in the championship and he obviously he did his stuff down there and I mean I think Hibs got some really good money for Jason Cummins but Jason Cummins has now left Hibs and he's went to Nottingham Forest to play under Mark Warburton it's not it's not a great move why why is our best players going down to play in the English championship I, for me he could stay at Hibs try and Play with Hibs and try and get Hibs into the Europa League uh, group stages uh, within a couple of years. That's this is why Derek McInnes stayed at Sunderland. Um, it's something that we actually forgot to talk about was the fact that Derek McInnes is going to stay at Aberdeen. Um, I don't know why Jason Collins would do that. I don't understand it. It's obviously money uh, and the yeah, fact that he's playing money. England. You're, you're not paid uh, the big dollar to play in, in Scotland, especially not Hibs, a Championship Hibs team. That, that's the issue. Problem um, with that Premier, they're a Premiership team now. Yeah, but he, he played at a Championship Hibs team. Yeah, but that's the pro. That's what I'm getting at. Why I don't. It could have stayed at Hibs, and I've got no doubts that the top six next season, and we'll discuss it maybe next week when the fixtures have been announced. Um, I've got no doubt that the top six of the, of the Premier League next year is going to be Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibs. St. Uh, St. Johnson Hearts. That's my top in six order. in that order. So um, I disagree. Well, we'll get I to think that. Aberdeen will finish second again. Okay, that, that's something. Celtic <laughs> will finish fourth. Not going to bite. Anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, the problem is retention. There's a retention of good Scottish players in Scotland, uh, and. 
I mean, Charles McGrew, you point out, he made a massive blunder. I mean, he's part of a Blackburn squad that just got relegated to League One. Surely, the likes of Liam Lindsay, who's been playing week in, week out for Partick Thistle, as young as he is, might have been able to to have breathe a new bit of life into that Scotland defence. We've got Christoph Berra, who's just went back to Hearts from Ipswich, I believe, uh, and been made captain straight away, uh, who for me isn't good enough to play for Scotland. Um, it's just, Scotland need to aim higher, and we need to play players that are all playing in the sim- same league, not all in the same league, because obviously you've got quality out with Scotland, don't get me wrong. But we need to have players that have got a relative understanding with each other. Look at the England team. Every player, to an extent, I'd say most of the 25-man squad, have all played against each other or played with each other um, on a weekly basis. So they all know each other. Whereas the Scotland squad, and you say it yourself, although Charlie McGrew and Craig Gordon have played for Celtic for two years, they've not really seen each other in a year. I mean, there was that absolute lack of communication that led to the second goal. These Scotland players only meet up for training camps, whatever, and then that's it. They probably don't even keep communication, and it's back down to that fact, and I, I don't care what people say. That, and I, I think, I can't remember who it was, it may have been Al McCoy or something like that said during the 90s, that there was always a divide in the Scotland dressing room, because there was obviously one half supporting Rangers, so... They were of, of, of that kind of, um, they were of that kind of leaning, or the other half was Celtic, and they were of that leaning, and, uh, and, that, and that's what I'm saying is the problem with Scotland that you're never going to get rid of. Yeah, um, but I think I think um, I, you know, getting back to the original point of Scotland England, uh. It, it was a it was a great result in the fact that we never get beat, but it was a bit disappointing that we didn't win. And uh, I think, and uh, you know yourself, I, I thought that, that was it for us. But I think we can win the rest of our games now. If if Gordon Strachan um, can instill the belief into the players and he picks the right teams and he plays the right tactics, I know it's all right saying that, but if he can do that, I don't I don't think we can be beaten. Um, you've got to remember Slovakia and Slovenia have got to go to Wembley. Uh, England haven't lost a qualifying game since something like 2009 uh, or something like that so I, I, and I know you said from the start you you said that Scotland will do it uh, obviously I want Scotland to qualify but part of me doesn't because I want 100 quid but the, the need to the, I don't think there's a need the, there's, there's a coefficient to think about the, there's the expanding World Cup that they're making Scotland need to qualify to prove that Scotland's one of the last countries left where football is the main cultural sport and we're the only country that repeatedly fails to qualify for the World Cup where football is the main culture. Yeah, I think it's been these emergence of all these kind of, not new countries, but these new football countries, the likes of like South Korea and... Um, America, especially America, were never a big soccer uh, country. Um, that would be the first and last time the word soccer's used on. Uh, sorry, well, if I keep repeating it, it'll be the third and fourth and fifth. But Scotland just haven't moved on, and there's that problem. But I mean, the Scotland debate is another one we can talk about when the next qualifiers. But I think we can do it now. Um, but it'll be a hard task. We wanted to talk about 
transfers, um, and there's been a lot since I think the last time we were actually recorded was on the 7th of June. Might have been around then, or no, it wasn't. It was the ninth before the Scotland England game. Yeah, it was the day before. Um, game. So there's been a lot of transfer activity since then. Um, I think you said what was it? Rangers have spent five million pounds. Yeah. So all the fees have been undisclosed. So don't take my word for it. So Rangers have spent up to five million pounds so far on five players. Season Although ticket the, money. Yep. There's there's season ticket money. Um, Dave King released a statement today saying that the directors and Rangers bankrolled all these transfers. Um, there's also the up to £1 million for Gardner. Um, and then there was something else, I can't remember what the other one was. So it, it, it could be roughly £4 million that Rangers have spent now. Uh, which, to be fair, is a lot more money than I thought they had. I thought it would be about um, two or three million pounds of spending. Um, Pedro Coutinho said he's still wanting to bring a few more faces in to the squad, um, and they've also offloaded some players as well. So even if there was uh, financial worries, they are reducing that wage bill as well, um, and increasing profits, as a businessman would call it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because. I think everybody's of the impression that Rangers have got no money. Um, you've got to remember the key, the key, uh, some of the key words of that statement, or of any newspaper article or anything that was um, reporting on it, was that Dave King and the board have have bankrolled these transfers uh, through. Oh, sorry, they've bankrolled the club through inf- interest-free loans. Uh, so obviously Dave King's looking for a return out of that. He wouldn't put money. He wouldn't give someone a loan if he weren't going to pay it back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do that. What you what, I think what Rangers are doing and Rangers fans can disagree with me as much as you like. Um, Rangers are doing what they're doing right now because they want to stop Celtic getting the ten. There's no, there's no other. They don't they don't want to grow to to um financial prosperity like say Celtic have got. Um, they want to stop get Celtic getting the ten, which is understandable, but. Uh, I think Rangers are playing a very dangerous game. You've got to remember that, obviously, that is interest, um, interest-free loans. But a loan is something you pay back. It's not a gift, uh, which means they need to be making enough, as you said, profits yeah, to although actually. Although they're called um, directors' loans, so basically, what happens is there's no uh, obligation to pay it back unless the director leaves the club. Yeah, but you've got to remember Rangers' boardroom is another changing one. Uh, as as um, you can point out to uh, the fact that the former chief executive has come back. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that they have the money to pay it back. I'm just saying that it's not it's not like buying a car where you need to pay so much amount a month. No, I know, I understand. That's what I'm saying. It's, but the fact is, that's what a loan is. You can't disagree with the fact that a loan is something you expect to get paid back at a certain it, at some point, might not be today, might not be tomorrow, might not be in ten years, but at some point it's going to be paid back. Um, you've got to remember the season ticket money's there. Um, Rangers are still selling season tickets. Um, Celtic's waiting list is now growing, and also at the same time it's um, coming down again with people p- 
part of buying up season tickets. The only parts of the ground at Celtic Park that are available now for season tickets are the traditional Rangers end. Um, but Rangers, Rangers have made some good uh, additions. I don't Ryan Jack for me. Speaking as a Celtic fan, but speaking as somebody in general, um, going off feedback um, from Aberdeen fans, uh, Aberdeen think Rangers have got himself a dud. Um, uh, got himself a captain who was never fit enough to wear the armband for for the Dons. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. The one the one player that interests me, um, we've discussed Bruno Alves already. The one player that interests me is um, is it Alfredo Morel Morelos from Helsinki. Uh, obviously a Colombian striker. Um, I don't think South Americans have got a great uh, have got a great record in the the, the, the Scottish Premier League um, in general. Um, but it'll be interesting. I think he scored thirty goals last season, so he's obviously a goal scorer. He's got aspirations to play for Colombia alongside Falcao. So it'll be interesting. I think there's a is from from what I've heard about the guy and what of the statistics and stuff. It'll be an interesting signing. Um, the main worry for, for Rangers is that they don't get into Europe, as in they don't get to Europa League. I've looked at their, um, we'll be talking about Europe um, shortly, but I've looked at their kind of route and they've, they've got to play this this team from Luxembourg, I believe, and in the next round, um, I, I can't quite remember who, who it could be, I, I know it got drawn, it might be a team from San Marino or, or something like that, um, but the round after that, they are looking to be up against some European like big teams. They're not going to be seeded uh, after a certain round, which obviously isn't great. But I think Rangers' big problem is that they've got to get to Europe to to kind of start bringing in those finances. Uh, also, we're going to talk about the Sports Direct deal um, a little later on as well, as discussed. Um, but it's it's a definitely an interesting it's a, it's definitely interesting signings going on and I think Pedro's Latin uh, sort of revolution uh, will be an interesting one to watch unfold. Yeah, and this this is where I want to jump in as well. So we keep talking about um, Pedro's bringing in uh, the Latin American signings, people he's worked with, people he's seen, people he knows. Uh, two days ago. Rangers signed their director of football, as promised. Uh, former Man City Academy director Mark Allen, who somehow managed to get Man City suspended from signing youth players. Um, although that's a slight dig. It's um, <laughs> interesting. Um, we, we, we keep talking about this Pedro takeover. From my understanding, the whole idea of having a director of football is he decides uh, kind of who's coming in and out and the philosophy of philosophy of football to be played as, um, as a director of football um, I know we've talked about Craig Levine and he was obviously in place already when Ian Carthro joined Hearts as a director of football a sign of the, maybe that the board don't trust their manager as much yeah yeah you, you could look at it that way yeah um, it's, it's more taking the manager out of the manager um, make them a coach that, yeah that that's but what I find interesting was we keep talking about this Pedro kind of takeover thing where director of football there that doesn't really make sense anymore. Um, over the last two days, obviously, uh, coincidentally, since Mark Allen's come in, the summer signings seem to have slowed down for Rangers. Um, maybe maybe a sign that 
Mark Allen doesn't quite agree with Pedro Pacino's transfer policy. Yeah, which is the point I'm making. So how long is Pedro Pacino going to be there? Because really the role of the director of football is to bring in a coach you want to work with. That's the whole point where you can keep bringing and, and getting rid of coaches and the, the structure of the club doesn't change because there's always this guy that's still doing the reports. Constant, yeah. yeah. I think the interesting fact about this Mark Garland guy is um, people talk about, oh, who's at Man City? So what? I've been, so last year I went I went to the Etihad uh, for a gig and to get into there you had to pass by the academy and the academy's lovely. Um, it's obviously been purpose built since the Mansours took over. But the thing about the Man City Academy is, can you name me, except from maybe Akechi Iheanacho, um, can you name me a Manchester City player that's come out of the academy and actually made an impact on Man City or any other team, let's say, in the Premier League? Um, you can't say Patrick Roberts because he was a Fulham player. So, has Mark Gallon actually done a lot for Man City? Yeah, it's yeah, that was the thing I had where he was the academy director who got the club suspended from signing academy players. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's interesting. Obviously, Dave King's kept his uh, his promise that he'd bring in a, a director of football, although it's maybe what about three or four months later than it was uh, supposed to be happening. Um, I'm not taking a dig at the director of football thing because um. When Neil Lennon took over as Celtic manager, there was talk of, uh, I can't remember who, who they were going to bring in, um, I think it might have been Bruce Riock or something like that, an old, Scot- old Scotland coach uh, to come in as a director of football and kind of oversee Neil Lennon, um, but obviously that didn't come to fruition and the rest is history. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that partnership works and it's shaping up for a good scene. Um, obviously, well on the uh, prospect of transfers, Celtic have obviously signed Johnny Hayes, the first um, player of, I expect, many to come into Celtic. I don't expect there to be the same uh, volume as Rangers have recruited, uh, but I do expect a good few Celtic players to, to, I, I to come in. I expect one or two more Celtic players to come in. Um, obviously, after the season, Celtic have just had um, is there a real need to, as Dave King said, bankroll some transfers in? I think uh, um, the, the thing that Celtic have got now, and I think Brendan Rodgers um, would agree, is Celtic have now got their eyes set on Europe. I think not winning uh, the Champions League, um, because that that's just not going to happen in my lifetime, um, just due to financial constraints and the fact that they wouldn't let somebody outside the norm win it. Uh, and I do say that in the fact that I think that UEFA would rig it in a way that a team like Celtic couldn't win that, that competition. It's already done to an extent in the fact that Celtic, as Xavi has said, um, Xavi, who is obviously a Spain legend, a Barcelona legend, and a football legend in general, has said that Celtic shouldn't have to play qualifiers to get into the Champions League. But that's another debate for another day, is that Celtic have to, have to play, um, I think it's what, Four, four qualifying rounds, three qualifying rounds before they can even uh, get into the Champions League um, and along with that they have to take trips to Kazakhstan and all these different places that are just not even in Europe do you know what I mean um, last year Celtic had to go to Kazakhstan and Israel 
it's a joke. But the fact is, Celtic have now got their eyes set on Europe. So for me, a successful season this season, uh, in terms of Europe, would be to get to the Champions League and then either go into the last 16 or drop out into third and get to the quarter or semi-finals of the Europa League because I think Celtic have got a squad there that's capable of it. Um, yeah, you might disagree with me. I, I don't see... I think we've discussed this over Facebook as well. I don't see Johnny Hayes being a, a European signing, I think. No. Um, Johnny Hayes has come in more as a, a squad player who play in the Premiership. Uh, well, the likes of Patrick Roberts, if he comes back, rests his legs. Scott Sinclair rests his legs. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think that Johnny Hayes will be a good signing for the league. I've always liked Johnny Hayes when he's played against Celtic. Whether they can make that step up to Europe is a different fact. I don't exactly know where he's going to play either because Forrest on his day is a fantastic player. You've also talked about Patrick Roberts. Uh, Patrick Roberts is breaking my heart at the minute because I don't know what he's doing. Um, he's a bit like the. He's, he's just <laughs> he's just playing with everybody's emotions at the minute. Um, obviously Scott Sinclair. Scott Sinclair's got a point to prove. He wants to play for England again. If he wants to play for England again, he's got to start scoring goals in the Champions League. He's got to start putting in good performances in the Champions League. Uh, because I think if he does that, he could play for England again. Because no matter how he plays in Scotland. As long as he's showcasing his talent against the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid, Borussia, Mönchengladbach, Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich, uh, Man City, yeah, but Chelsea. Alan Thompson done the same. But Alan Thompson was part of an England squad that had lots of quality. Um, you've got to remember that that England squad, um, even Alan Thompson in 2004, um, when he was playing for Celtic, that, that England team had the likes of David Beckham, it had Frank Lampard, it had Steven Gerrard. Owen Hargreaves, um, maybe they had Wayne Rooney, obviously Wayne Rooney's a striker, but that's just a, a Michael Owen, that's kind of front front coming forward, if you know what I mean, sort of midfield to, to attack. Uh, I don't think Alan Thompson would grudge anybody by saying that maybe David Beckham's a better pick than him. Um, and it, it's alright saying that, but that England team hasn't got much quality in where... Scott Sinclair plays. Scott Sinclair's a left winger. The England squad. Uh, you've got Alex Oxley, Chamberlain, Theo Walcott. Also, got Deli Alley who can maybe go out onto the wings. Um, Zaha. Uh, who? I, I, I would say Oxley, Chamberlain, and Walcott are better than Sinclair. I, I don't know about Walcott. Walcott's a bit hit and miss. Uh, but who, who played on the left um, for, for England against Scotland? I can't quite remember. Um, it's it's just the the, the fact that, and Jesse Lingard obviously they've got who's getting a hundred grand a week in my United who's a mediocre player. Um, for me he's only twenty odd and he's getting a hundred grand a week for just because he plays for Man United and does dabs. He's a bit like Paul Pogba. It for me Scott Sinclair would be great for England. He's the same as Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe is a fantastic player. Uh. And I'm not going to talk about England and how they get on because I don't really care to be honest. But I do care about Scott Sinclair, and I do think Scott Sinclair can can play for England when he plays for Celtic. He's just got to do it in Europe. Um, it's as simple as that. You got to remember Scott Sinclair was a, an excellent talent when he left Swansea for Man City. He just kind of get lost a bit in Man City during the whole uh, 
Mansoor Revolution. Uh, in, it's the fear that I've got for Patrick Roberts. That Patrick Roberts will get lost at Man City if he decides to stay. But it'll be interesting, interesting to find out what happens there. But so maybe he'll come back when he's thirty then. <laughs> By thirty, I think people have forgotten about him. Um, the Celtic, although the Celtic support don't don't usually forget players that have um, played well for them. Um, it's I think it's just a matter that we just need to move on. It's a bit like grieving. Do you know what I mean? We're in the denial stage at the minute. Um, we're just denying the fact that he's not going to that he's going to come back. Um, but. It'll be interesting. I, I just don't get the big thing for him. This is probably a good question for me. Like, what is the? Why is there such a vibe to get Patrick Roberts back? It's not like he's. Patrick Roberts is. It's not like he was the best player in the squad last season. No, but the the fact is, see the Patrick Roberts they played in the last sort of twelve games. That's the Patrick Roberts that Celtic fell in love with. Um, I watched a tribute yesterday. I think it was always goals for Celtic. You just look. Just look at him. I mean, the goal he scored against Man City, against his parent club. People say, "Oh, it's the second string Man City squad." That doesn't matter. In fact, Man City squad was still assembled for maybe two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, ten times more than the Celtic squad. Um, Patrick Roberts ripped up Gail Cliche uh, for our paper. Do you know what I mean? Um, just look at Patrick Roberts' goals. He scores goals that some other players just can't. He's get, he can play with both feet, he can beat a man, he can beat a man twice, he can go beat the man, come back and then beat him again. He can score goals from 30 yards, he can score goals from 2 yards. The guy is just incredible. Um, people people don't call him the British Messi for, <laughs> without a reason, do you know what I mean? Um, obviously and I'm not going to sit and if say you're that... saying that, why would he be lost at Man City? No. The reason that he'd be lost at Man City is because Man City have got 30, 40 million pounds to pay for a left winger. They don't like to bring up from the youth, they don't like to bring up from their academy, they don't like to bring up from the reserves. Um, they'd rather go spend 40 million pounds on Leroy Sane from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, or, I, I can't remember who he, who he actually left um, to go to um, Man City. But they would rather pay 40 million for an exotic name than play Patrick Roberts. Look at the, the the Man City team, right? Obviously, it's a Scottish podcast, so we don't really want to talk much about English affairs. But they've loaned Joe Hart out, so that's an English guy out. So let's say Caballero, who looks like he's going to leave. They've just signed a bloke from Benfica for £45 million. Um, they've also got Zabaleta, who's just left uh, to go to, uh, I think it was West Ham. Um, they're trying to look at bringing Kyle Walker, who admittedly is obviously English. Two centre halves. We've got Otamendi, Company. Uh, can't remember the other, the other bloke. Centre half. Um, they've obviously got Gal Clichy left back, who's also looking to leave. Uh, they bought Fabian Dell from Aston Villa. Uh, he's fallen under. He's fallen away. So they've got Fernandinho, Fernando, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Raheem Sterling, obviously, who they bought for fifty million pound for Liverpool. Um, again, astronomical, crazy money. Uh, and up front we've got Aguero and Gabriel Jesus so out of those names uh, what two of them were English Joe Hart who was loaded to Torino and Raheem Sterling who didn't come through their um, academy so that, that's the reason Patrick Roberts won't succeed at Man City unless um, P- 
Pep Guardiola goes against the norm for that club. Um, Pep Guardiola's obviously got a great eye for talent, and he obviously had great things to say about Patrick Roberts. If, if Patrick Roberts is going to stay at Man City, I wish him all the best, because he's he is a fantastic footballer. Um, I would like to see him back in a Celtic jersey. If it costs Celtic six, seven, eight million pounds, um, then so be it. If it costs even more than that, then obviously you've got to start looking at it as a bit, bit much. Unless Virgil Van Dijk goes to Chelsea or Liverpool or something for fifty, sixty million, um, and then we don't want to be paying two, three, four million for him, then it's a different case. But that's why Patrick Roberts for me is Celtic must get him. He is Champions League quality. He will go to someone else and prove that. Uh, if Patrick Roberts leaves Man City, it will be for someone that's playing in Europe. So, whether that's going to be in England or it's going to be abroad, uh, he will go somewhere that they're playing in Europe because he is that good. He is an old style winger. Um, I'm not going to sit and rabble on about him because his quality is there to be seen. If you want to see his quality, you can look for his Celtic tribute video. You'll basically find that on Facebook. But Johnny Hayes isn't the replacement. It's, it's, that's the long and short of it. Johnny Hayes is not the replacement. He's an SPFL player. If he can make the step up to Europe, fantastic. But Celtic have got to sign a couple of players to, to actually become competitive in European football. Uh, Champions League level, at least. Uh, I think we could cope in the Europa League. Win it. I think we could go far with the current squad. But we couldn't win it. Um, Celtic have got to make a, a few signings. The, the talk yep. is... Uh, what? Sorry, just... yeah, no, I was agreeing. I was. Uh, so that's why Patrick Roberts for me is, is a is, is required, shall we say? Uh, the talk recently for Celtic, the rumours, um, is that Celtic are going to sign. The rumour that's coming out about days and it's been going around for a while is Fabio Barini for Sunderland. Not my cup of tea. A bit of a waste of four million pound for me. Uh, but again, Fabio Benini wouldn't be getting linked with the likes of AC Milan back in Italy um, unless there was something there. Maybe Brendan Rodgers can unleash that potential. Uh, the other talk was of the, the Serbian winger, I think it's Plasvic or something like that, uh, who's who's playing for Red Star Belgrade at the minute. I think he's got a goal for the uh, Serbia under-21s in the Euros uh, very recently. And, he also a cracking wee winger, um, but I'd like to see Celtic bring in a centre half. The, the, the talk was of a 4.5 million bid for a, a guy called uh, Jean Kevin Duvern uh, from a, a team in League Two in France. So take that with a pinch of salt. But I'd like to see another centre half to come in for Josephsonovic to come in and partners Josephsonovic. Uh, I'd like to bring in a European quality winger. Uh, and I think maybe another striker would be would be a good good thing uh, in case maybe Dembele does leave Celtic. Um, I wouldn't want to leave it all to to Lee Griffiths. Tom Rogic scored a cracking. I don't know if you've seen it. He scored a cracking goal for Australia against Germany the other day in the Confederations Cup. It just shows you the quality that Tom Rogic has got, um, and hopefully he can turn that that quality on. But this isn't a Celtic podcast. <laughs> So move on for Celtic and the transfers. We'll be talking about uh, European football, um, which will obviously include Celtic and Rangers later on. Interestingly, it's not a transfer. Um, well, it could have been a potential transfer, but of the managerial kind. What What do you think of Derek McKenna staying at Aberdeen? Uh, 
Yeah, he's good. Uh, I've always said um, Derek McInnes is good. I thought it was quite strange he didn't leave. I just wonder what that means his ambitions are for this season. Is it going to be finish above Rangers again? Um, is it going to be maybe get to the third qualifying round for Europe or maybe even make it into the group stages? Who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see what his ambitions are. Um, although, that being said, um, Sunderland isn't the club I would have went to. I, th- I think if there was a different club I'd have went. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Sunderland are... I'm being wary when I'm saying done here. Yeah, free fall is a better word for them. Um, they need some leadership down there, some structure. A bit like Dundee United, I think that's what you were going to say. Yep. Um, yeah, Sunderland, I think they're in like £110 million of debt or something, even the parachute payment doesn't doesn't help. Uh, and they're going to have new owners and supposedly debt mechanics could have went to Sunderland and then been sacked the next day uh, if there was a new a new owner. Derek McCarrick's made the right idea, uh, made the right decision. I'd like to think that Derek McCarrick's is staying at Aberdeen because he thinks he can get him to the, the Europa League. We'll talk a wee bit about their kind of alluding to that game, we'll talk a wee bit about their journey to the Europa League in a minute. Um, but I'd like to think that's Derek McInnes' ambition is to get to the Europa League group stages and finish above Rangers and win a domestic trophy. Uh, that's what I think his ambition should be anyway. Um, obviously he should want, want to win the league, but I can't see anyone other than Celtic winning that again this year. But for me, Derek McInnes has made the right choice and it's a good choice for Scottish football. Actually, retaining uh, our young managers, our good managers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Elden get on. The rumour was that Sh- uh, Sean Maloney has rejected an offer from Aberdeen. I find that quite interesting, to be honest. Yeah, if not. Does he really want to come up and play for Aberdeen? This is the problem. There's no incentive to come play for Scottish football unless you're playing for Celtic or Rangers. Especially when you're Sean Maloney who's played at the top of the game. Like there's no incentive to come. Yeah, your key the key there was has played um what what is Sean Maloney now? He must be in his thirties. And the guy's been around for ages, but I think mind you he did play for Celtic when he was about eighteen. Um maybe the fact that he doesn't want to come back up to Scotland is the fact that he only wanted to play for Celtic um, and that's back to your your point about players only wanting to play uh, for Celtic or Rangers I think that uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting one I'd like to see who Aldean are going to recruit because uh, I know Greg Tansy's all looking for Inverness it's not exactly a wonderful signing is it to be honest um, it's not exactly one that's going to set the heaven on fire particularly uh, but it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting um, to see how Aberdeen get on. But again, it's just it's just going to be one of those seasons. I think the Scottish football is going to be very very interesting. Um, another bit of transfer news, obviously, that Liam Boyce has left Ross County uh, for a fee rumored to be well into six figures. Big loss. Sorry, the, the Skype was uh, crashing a wee bit there. What did you say? 
Uh, it's that um, William Boyce has left Ross County uh, for a figure well into six figures. Uh, for a sum that's well into six figures. Uh, what do you what do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, it's good um, for Ross County. Although I think it's uh, quite poor um, for Scottish football overall. Um, <laughs> we need strikers like William Boyce in the game. Um, although we did go for six figures, I, I believe we went quite cheap. Um, for what if he was playing somewhere else, he would have went for him. He was one of the the top goal scorers in the league last season. He was um, the top goal yeah, scorer. Exactly, he scored more goals than Dembele, who is rumored to be a thirty million pound striker. He scored more goals than Lee Griffiths. Um, he scored more goals than all the Rangers strikers, and he scored more goals than Adam Nuni from Aberdeen. And this was all over Ross County, and they went for. Was it four hundred thousand? They went for something, something along those lines, I think. Um, and if Liam Boyce was playing for Celtic, it'd have, it'd have been away for seven figures. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's 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 not good for the game. Uh, it's not good for Scottish football, and it's not good. It's good for Ross County in the financial sense that that money will probably keep Ross County running for a good couple of, for a, a year or two maybe. Um, Liam Boyce obviously left Cliftonville in Northern Ireland and went to Werder Bremen uh, in Germany, which obviously shows you how much he was for. Uh, he did go, he did go on trial with Celtic when he was at Werder Bremen. Um, when I think Neil Lennon was the man, I mean, it would be Mowbray at the time. Uh, but obviously that happened, and he obviously didn't sign for for uh, for, um, for for Celtic. Um, and obviously he's, he's went to Ross County. Ross County, I think he's something like he scored something um, well in a, a game, a goal every two go- uh, a goal at least every two games. So that's not a bad return really for a a free striker at Ross County. Uh, Ross County is a side I like. I do like Ross County. Um, I think they're they are a decent side. Um, it's just been interesting to see who they replace them with, and it's definitely changing times for the Highland teams because obviously John Robertson just came in as the Inverness manager. Um, obviously, as you told me the other day, so that's obviously a, a big deal. So that's a bit of change, and obviously Ross County have lost arguably their best player. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it's a good, it's good money for for Ross County, but it's not great for Scottish football. Um, it's the same with the Liam Lindsay one. Uh, what was that? How much was that, Paul? Uh, Three hundred fifty thousand. Which I think you agree is uh, that's poor. Um, and Partick Thistle were a, a team who didn't need to sell. Partick Thistle were a team that have just got new investment. Um, just finished in the top six. It's just, it, again, Scotland needs to retain its best players, they need to keep them here. How do they do that if they're not playing for Celtic or Rangers or maybe Aberdeen or, um, I can't say anyone else because Jason Cummins just left Hibs. But we need to retain these players, we need to keep them here because better players obviously make the league stronger and with a stronger league we can demand more money. It's just, it's that simple. Um, the Liam Lindsay one, uh, is I'm, I'm quite disappointed with as well. But trust uh, Alan Archibald uh, to do what's right at Partick Thistle and Jim McIntyre to do what's right at Ross County. But 
just need to wait and see. Um, I think that was most of the most of the transfer stuff. Uh, anything else in particular? So but the only thing that was left was the sports direct deal at Rangers, um, which is. I was uh, I was I was talking about transfers. We still got to talk about Europe. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant anything else left in topic wise. No. Um, um, I suppose we better quickly talk about Europe. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the the draw got made on Monday, with the Celtic's the only Scottish team to uh, to be in the Champions League. Uh, obviously they've drawn either uh, Luxembourg, uh, not Luxembourg, they've drawn either Linfield, uh, and we'll talk about that to length, um, uh, or a team from San Marino. Uh, it's for, for a lot of people it's a foregone conclusion that Linfield are going to win, so we better talk about the controversy that um, sort of surrounds that fixture. Do you want to start us off on that? The Linfield one? Yeah. So Celtic, um, Linfield, the Irish Police, um, the Irish FA have agreed that if Celtic are to play Linfield, then it will be played on Friday the 14th at Windsor Park rather than either the Tuesday or the Wednesday due to the security risk uh, to both fans and players um, due to some old-fashioned religious beliefs going on. Uh, I like how diplomatic that was. Old-fashioned religious beliefs. Um... Yeah, so the long and the short of it is that everybody's aware that Linfield are, shall we say, the Northern Irish equivalent uh, to Rangers, um, although probably a lot more hardcore, obviously, coming from Belfast. Um, we're not going to go into the ins and outs of that particular conflict because we could be here all day. And it's probably not something that everybody wants to listen to uh, in the evening. Um, what we're about to see is the fake Irish versus the real Irish. To, it's alright saying that, but you've got to remember that... Um, and this isn't a bias, it's just a genuine, genuine thing. There is a lot of Celtic supporters in the north of Ireland, and there is a lot of Rangers supporters in the north of Ireland who's and the Rangers supporters just so happen to support Linfield, and a lot of the Northern Irish supporters support Celtic, and either a team from the Northern Ireland or a team from the Republic of Ireland. So the interesting thing is that the police. So this is the PSNI. The police uh, of Northern Ireland, uh, Linfield themselves, the actual club, and the Irish FA can't actually guarantee the safety of travelling fans. That, that this is ridiculous. Um, Rangers played Shelbourne, I believe, twenty years ago uh, in a European fixture, and because the game was too unsafe uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, for Rangers being the fake Irish and Shelbourne being real Irish, um, as you put it. The game was moved to, I believe it was moved to Tranmere in England. 
uh, England or Wales. I think that is. I can't quite remember. I think it might be England. Uh, I think it's Merseyside anyway. Uh, which is England, obviously. But so why <coughs> why isn't the Celtic and the, both the possible Celtic and Linfield game not being moved from Belfast, especially at the time that this game is going to be played? Um, it's just ludicrous, yeah, and the fact that it's not just that they've moved it to a Friday night as well. Yeah, which might even be worse because people will be finishing work early, getting tanked up, and then going to the ground. Um, a lot of revelers, uh, I say revelers, um, will still be in the city uh, from the twelfth of July. Uh, it's for me, it's a, a farce, uh, and the whole reason that we're having this debate is because Linfield. Uh, are unwilling to switch the games around to have Celtic playing on Celtic playing at home on the twelfth, or they want for the twelfth, and for them to be playing at home the following week. Um, no matter what, doesn't matter whether Celtic absolutely tank Linfield ten one or ten 0 at Celtic Park, the game at Windsor Park is still going to be sold out for the sheer magnitude of the game. Um, Linfield aren't exactly. <laughs> A fantastic football side. Rangers beat them 7-0 in a friendly last year um, and not to go too far into it um, but this is the same Linfield club that brought a um, flute band onto the onto the pitch so I'm not yeah, that's, what they, that's what they do at half time supposedly um, do, listen if that's what they want to do um, they can do it I've it's their club. If that's the image um, they want, to, they want to portray. It's the same with Celtic. I don't want Celtic to. I wouldn't want Celtic to bring out uh, uh, the wolf tones at half time. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, it, because it portrays the wrong image, and obviously this is is the reason that Celtic have got multiple fines as well. Um, that side of the game, we're never going to get rid of Scott in Scotland. It doesn't matter how many bills and acts and laws you bring in, it's not going to happen. Uh, and the fact that the, the Offensive Behaviour Football Act is going to be repealed is testament to that. It's just not going to happen. Uh, what needs to happen is education. Uh, people need to be educated um, to realise that these sort of differences just shouldn't be there. It's alright to have a bit of banter um, for this and that between workmates and friends and between rival football supporters. Uh, but when it gets to the stage that you're fearing for the life of people just because they support a certain football team, uh, it's it's a bit beyond um, being right. I, I don't know how you feel on that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Um, I think the reason they don't want to swap the games just being unbiased. Um, as you said, if Celtic do um, hammer Linfield ten 0 what Linfield supporter is going to want to go and watch Linfield versus Celtic in the second leg? Well, the Linfield supporter that wants to play, that wants to see Linfield play Celtic for the same reason that Rangers fans still turned up at the Celtic games last season, even though they received uh, multiple tankings. Um, yeah, but it wasn't showing up to a second leg after being beat 10 0. No, but the point is. Linfield fans and Celtic fans, admittedly, um, are want to go to that game because it's that it's go- you're going to get that that um, 
sort of reignition of the troubles, shall we say. Um, listen, uh, the game should either be switched around, Celtic at home first, or it should be getting moved to neutral ground. That's my, my theory. Or if Northern Ireland wants to prove that it's beyond um, what many people um, sort of believe them to be, hold the game on the 12th and ensure that there's going to be a safety of everyone involved in the game and in the city. But they can't do that, and it's a shame. Um, I'm not going to sit and say that Celtic are, are Angels, because I'm not, and neither are Rangers, and that's just the way it is in the rest of Scotland. Uh, if you're listening from far afield, folks, Scotland has Scotland and Ireland um, have got a... A long history shall we say so that's just my thought on that game um, and it would just be interesting to see how everything plays out obviously um, moving on from Celtic um, and listen folks if you think we're talking about Celtic Rangers a lot the main reason we're talking about Celtic Rangers a lot is because they're arguably the two biggest teams in Scotland so yeah I mean no, nothing else really happens in Scottish football during the summer uh, um, not, like not notable of talking about. <laughs> maybe that's not the case, or we're we're too ignorant to to get there. But um, yeah, well, if we were to talk about every uh, minor event, then the podcast would run on for five hours. Yeah, uh, um, we we talk we like talking about notable events, and we tend to make the agenda like that. If you go back and listen to episode one, two, and three. We spoke quite a lot about the championship playoffs and the League One Two playoffs. Um, yeah. Th- there's not really been other notable events uh, down in the lower leagues, shall we say? Yeah. So Rangers obviously playing uh, for many their first European tie in five years. <laughs> um, depends what you look at it. I'm not going to um, go into my lean on that particular event. However. Um, playing aside from Luxembourg in the first round uh, I think it's Niederkorn or, or something like that uh, th- that game's getting moved from a certain stadium to another stadium uh, see how easy that is um, one field just move the game even move it to somewhere bigger than Windsor Park make yourself a wee bit more money but hey ho um, Rangers against Niederkorn should be a fairly routine game uh, and it'll be interesting to see how far Rangers go in, in the qualifiers, yeah, especially. So the, the team Rangers are playing have only ever played 12 European games. They've drawn two and lost 10, so Rangers should go into round two. Yeah, I'd hope so. Uh, obviously, I think that the, the Niederkorn, uh, the chairman, said that this was the biggest game in the club's history uh, for about 40 years. Um, I think in that game 40 years ago was against a certain Real Madrid side that hammered them 12 now. So we'll just need to wait and see how much has changed since then. But uh, Pedro Coutinho has done all the right things. He's got all his players in early. He's got them in for pre-season training. And I'd like to think Rangers can at least make the playoffs. Um, I think I, I read that they could play the likes of um, Standard Liège, um, some big uh, European sides. I think the second round... They could be playing um, aside from Cyprus, so it'll be interesting uh, to see how they cope in the heat. 
it's a foregone conclusion for me that they're going to get through the first round. I'd like to think that that's going to happen anyway. Um, especially for, for Scottish football, we can't have sides going out too early. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Obviously, Aberdeen, um, I don't know if you're aware, they've been paired with a side in the second. They're potentially going to face a, a trip to Kazakhstan. Uh, which is absolutely ludicrous, especially for a team like Aberdeen that maybe haven't got the budget to fly a 28-23 man squad um, over to, to Kazakhstan. Um, that, current, that Kazakhstan team are currently third in the league. Um, obviously that Kazakhstan league does involve the likes of uh, Karabag um, and Astana, uh, two teams Celtic have played in the last couple of years. And I think Aberdeen got put out by a Kazakhstan team uh, maybe a year or two ago. But these are the, t- the these are the sides that Aberdeen have got to be beaten. I don't know what you, what you think of that. Yeah, yeah. So that is uh, expensive to fly a twenty three man squad plus a backroom staff um, over to Kazakhstan for one game. Although that's that's the investment Scottish football needs to make for Europe. Um, if Aberdeen want to be raking the money in and pushing for. Uh, potential that first spot in Scotland and cups in Scotland and European runs and th- these are the investments that they need to budget for it's the same as um, the whole Scottish football, it's the same as Celtic as well Celtic are now um, punching for last 16s of Champions League uh, European football after Christmas, they're going to need to um, budget for the travelling involved and budget for um, the additional squad size that would be required uh, for that long in Europe yeah, I agree. And uh, obviously, the, the final team was um, St Johnston, um, who have got a tricky, tricky tie as well. We we just need a, we just need those three teams to do well. It's as simple as that. Um, because Celtic can't do it themselves. Uh, I, I can't stress that enough. Um, I, I think you'll agree. Celtic can't can't be the only team that that pull their weight in Europe. Shall we say St Johnston have got to be beating teams from Lithuania. Rangers are going to be beating teams with Cyprus. Uh, Aberdeen are going to be beating teams with Kazakhstan. It's as simple as that. And yeah, yeah, and it's, going to, it's going to be a, a good benchmark to see where Scottish football actually stands uh, on the national stadia. Yeah, because a, a week from now, uh, we'll be discussing the the live kind of um, the, the European games as they, they go. Um, obviously St Johnson and Rangers start the European campaigns in the coming days um, within the next week I believe so it's going to be coming quick and, uh, quick and fast and it'll be interesting to see how that all goes let's just hope we've got three, four teams in Europe uh, by the end of July at least I'd like to think that's going to be the case but we just need to wait and see how, how we get on uh, Yeah, I, I think just by qualifying, uh, the coefficient improves. Doesn't yeah. I'm right in saying that? I think, yeah. So even if all three teams qualify, then the the national coefficient goes up. I remember a time. You remember it as well. Do you remember a time when Celtic and Rangers were in the Champions League? Um, that feels like a lifetime ago now. Um, I think that was about ten years ago. I remember. Um, I think if I remember correctly, that 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 campaign. Uh, or it might, it might not even be that year. I remember Rangers were in it at one point uh, when they get beat 4-0 off. Or, uh, I think they were 
Romanian, is it Unirea Usaceni, 4-0 Ibrox, uh, um, and uh, Celtic, I think that might be in the Euro, we were in the Europa League, the first kind of year of that, um, I remember a young Koke playing for Atletico Madrid at Celtic Park, um, or it was a young Saul, one of the, one of the two of them, um, there was there was times where um, Celtic and Rangers were in the Champions League and they were beating these bigger teams. Uh, I just like to see that, that those times return. Um, obviously, I don't want Rangers. <laughs> speaking genuinely as a Celtic fan, not speaking to someone who wants the obviously the, the good for Scottish football. They want Scottish football to improve. But um, can you imagine course, a Celtic and Rangers Champions League final? I've been saying that all my life. In Rome, even more interesting. Um, imagine a Celtic Rangers final in Dublin or Belfast. I think it would be even worse. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll just be interesting um, to, to kind of see how that, that goes. Um, I'd like to think that maybe by 2022, and that's a long way away, I'd like to think that by 2022 we've got, we'll have two, three, four teams um, qualifying for Europe regularly, uh, because we, we need to, and it'll only benefit the Scottish national team, and it'll only benefit Scottish football. Yeah, and what the teams need to remember as well, if, if St Johnston, let's just look at St Johnston, if St Johnston qualify, they, they can a- attract a higher calibre of player next season. If they finish fourth as well by saying, listen, if you come sign for us, you're going to get European football. And that's always been what's turned the head uh, to players down south for South Rangers. You, you can show yourself on a European stage. If you've got um, two other teams uh, qualifying for Europe on top of Celtic and Rangers, then that's, think about the players that will come in, not just for the top two or top three teams in Scotland. Yeah. Um... I think, obviously, you, you say that, uh, and then you've got the the prospect of cross-border cups coming in, and you, you, you're quite a big fan of the Iron Brew Cup format. Um, yeah, better. I'm always a fan of a, a, an inter-league cup uh, between the four um, British sides, that'd be Northern Ireland, Scotland, England and Wales. Um, I want to see a national cup. Um, yeah. The, re- the return of like the cup winners cup or something along those lines um, would be good, and I, th- I think that would be good to to benchmark all the national uh, sort of FAs against each other. So, is Celtic really good enough to compete in the Premier League? Is Scotland really better than the Irish league? Is Wales really better um, than the Scottish league stuff like that? I think that's a given. Um, yeah, but Scotland, I, I Scotland will always measure themselves against that. England. Um, you you won't. It, it's funny because, um, just when just when you say that, they we've supposedly got a better league, and we had Queen of the South, a, a a poor Queen of the South side, um, who beat Linfield last year in that same cup, um, at funnily enough, um, the. Northern Irish, the Irish and the Welsh national teams are all currently doing better than Scotland, so where are we going wrong? And that's the point I'm proving. 
a cup winner's cup would prove that. It's a, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely a quite, quite a. Are we just being look at that stubborn way? like England by saying that our league's better just because it's our league? Well, our league is better than the the Welsh and Northern Irish equivalent and the Republic of Ireland equivalent because a Scottish team still won that that Iron Brew Cup, a Scottish team from the Scottish Championship. Um, so, um, if I remember right, the teams that are allowed in, it's, I need to get the exact wording, but I'm pretty sure it's not the best teams. Well, Linfield won, Linfield won the uh, treble last year in, in Northern Ireland. So, there you go, just kind of shows you. Uh, but it's all if buts and maybes um, because Scotland haven't put up a great fight against uh, the home nations recently uh, but moving on from, from Europe um, it's quite a something that will come up quite a lot during the summer purely for the fact that it is a sort of it's go time um, for, for it at the minute Sports Direct and Rangers. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yes, so the kind of latest thing that's happened is um, the Rangers Board of Directors and Sports Direct have agreed a deal now where rather than Rangers getting seven pence to every pound made, they are now going to get a 50-50 split on the profits made from Sports Direct for the next year. And they're also going to get an undisclosed amount, but the majority of profits from the mega store, which is good. Uh, I've seen pictures today on Twitter of the Rangers mega store being sold out by twelve o'clock. I heard that as well. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was pictures of empty shelves, which is another additional revenue stream uh, for Rangers. Um, future signings this season and next season. I think it would be next season based on sales made this season. Yeah, it's um obviously it's a it's a good cash flow. Um and I think for, the for most Rangers. profit Celtics ever made off strip sales has been four million pounds. Um, although that, that would have paid for all five signings so far. And that's that's the key point that we need to remember here. Although it's an insignificant sum when you look at football nowadays, it still would have paid for all five sign all five of the Rangers signings so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of, of Celtic's um, profits, obviously, from um, merchandise sales. Obviously, I think you got to remember um, Rangers, as soon as the, this kind of bulk of, of kits is gone, um, is there going to be many more after that? Um, it's like the Celtic store sign, they're selling out in a day. Um, People are still going to come back and buying shirts, whereas the thing we, we, the Rangers have got at the minute is that, that was people waiting a whole year for a top. Are they going to go back straight away and get another one? Um, it's going to be a bit, a bit different. Um, yeah, that, after speaking to my manager today, he's going to be buying his son um, a Rangers strip for his Christmas now, and he's also going to be buying his first Rangers top for 20 years. It just shows you um, how long that 
they've kind of waited they've waited for this. Uh, I still think I, I still think that there is a that that um that Mike Ashley's got I think I still think Mike Ashley and Dave King have got something under up their sleeve, um and they're not to be trusted. But I'm not going to start slandering people because that can lead to <laughs> that can lead to um, stuff that you we, we really don't want happening. But it's uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes because obviously I think it's a year, and then it might be up for discussion again. But the the thing that I found the most interesting out of it, um, speaking as a, as a Celtic fan, was that Dave King now said that. Uh, Rangers don't have uh, Rangers have now closed that kind of financial gap um, in terms of they said that they've taken away Celtic's unfair advantage with, with this new deal um, I, I think it's ludicrous because Celtic have obviously got um, they've got all this other money that they can rely on you're talking about these shirt sales right Let's just speak in general terms. We talk about the transfers the Rangers have made. So, Rangers have spent five million pounds on players, and you're saying they've brought in an excess of four million pounds, I believe, for shirt sales. Is that correct? Yep. Right. So you've got that. Whereas. No, sorry. Cel- sorry, it's the most Celtic I've ever made from shirt sales was four million. Oh right. Okay. So right. As so as, as a benchmark, right? Okay. Millions. So you've you've got that benchmark for Rangers of four million pounds. <clears throat> which almost pays for all the transfer fees. So you've got that. It's five million pounds for players. Round about ballpark figure about five million pounds. Celtic could receive upwards of five million pounds from Southampton in the event of the sale of Virgil Van Dyke for ex- excess of fifty million pounds. Does that not put a wee bit of perspective? Onto, onto that particular statement by Dave King. Well, I think the perspective here is Virgil van Dyke interest from Liverpool has dropped. And I didn't say Liverpool, though. I said Chelsea. I did say Liverpool, but I did say Chelsea because Chelsea is... The, the point is, it doesn't matter who's interested in them because there's still another two months of the transfer window to go. There is interest for Virgil van Dijk and there is interest to make him the most expensive defender in, on the planet. So, just to that extent, it, that, that puts it in perspective for me, um, for where Celtic are going anyway in terms of finances. Um, because let's say Celtic sold the whole 11 at the minute, right? The whole start 11. I still think the other player, maybe some of the other players in that club could still challenge for for silverware. But say Celtic get rid of Gordon, they get rid of Keane Tierney, they get rid of Sumunovic, they got rid of Boyata, they got rid of Mikel Rustic, Scott Brown, Stuart Armstrong, uh, Scott Sinclair, Tom Rogic, James Forrest and Moussa Dembele. You're talking well in the excess of £60 million, pounds, I think, for that start of 11. So... Celtic are going in the right direction. Rangers are going in the right direction. Finally, hopefully, um, there isn't more to come out of um, Ibrox, um, 
in the in the negative terms um for for their sake speaking as a, a Celtic fan you know my feelings on it um I don't particularly care um but in terms of Scottish football it's good to have that marketability of Rangers in the league and hopefully Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts, St Johnson could all move in the right direction as well, along and with more. the rest of Scottish football. We're hoping for Morton to dominate against the Renfrewshire rivals this season, uh, finish first in the Championship and then avoid relegation next season and then push for a top six the uh, following season. And then the season after that, finish second. We got European football, and the season after that, they won the Premiership. Not going to happen. That, that's the whole idea. That, that tends to be what happens as soon as I get my hand on a company. Um, yeah. It, listen, um, wh- whatever happens in Scottish football, just want to, um, I just want it to move forward. I want it to progress. Um, I want to beat England. Um, and that just brings us back full circle to the Scotland-England game. Scotland, I've got to move forward, uh, we've got to improve, and hopefully we can do so. Yep, yeah, I agree. So, I think, I think this has been the longest podcast we've done so far, but it's been a, certainly an enjoyable one. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk about on the next feature and all that, because... Um, there's maybe a lot's going to happen in the next week. Um, I think all the sort of big sides in Scotland are going to start playing their pre-season friendlies and such. So we'll be able to see how the squads are, are shaping up for the new season. Obviously, there's going to be the fixture announcement on Friday. Uh, ideally, um, it will be a, a decent run. I just, I would hope, I say I would hope, I would love it if they get rid of the split, but it's not going to happen. Uh, for at least another year or two, um, but yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. It's been a quite a lengthy one. Uh, I've been Kieran. Yep, and I'm Paul. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you.